I mean, it really is the biggest upset in NHL history to every single other person other than the guys in that room. I mean, trust me, we knew probably weren't the favorites against a 65-win team, but what an unbelievable effort. Down 3-2, tie one late, overtime winner, like... Oh no! Kind of one of those legacy games for uh, for a bunch of guys on our team and uh, and our franchise, and we just did what nobody in the world thought we could do, and that uh, it's pretty exciting. Started uh, beating me off the season. A lot of people have written us off, so uh, we proved them wrong, and uh, we uh, we grew uh, together during during the whole year, and uh, it showed it showed in this series. What did you learn about yourselves this series that you can bring with you as you continue on? Uh, it's not, it's not going to get easier from here on. So we gotta we gotta sacrifice the individual efforts for the individual success for the team efforts and team. Uh, oh, I got a blank here. Uh, so, but no, we gotta play the right way in order to to move forward. And uh, yeah, off to the next one. <laughs> Okay, so what a Sunday that was. You just heard from Philip Grubauer, and before that, you heard it from Matthew Kachuk. I want to uh, pause on that for one second, bracket those conversations. We're going to pick them up here in a couple of moments. We do have breaking news. Uh, If you haven't heard, Daryl Sutter has been fired as head coach of the Calgary Flames. Um, This just breaking moments ago, Elliot with it on his Twitter um, Elliot's going to join us here in a couple of moments and we'll go over more details. There was some, you know, there were some whispers that there was going to be a, a coaching decision made at some point this week coming up um, by the Calgary Flames and they got at it early and relieved Daryl Sutter uh, of his duties as head coach. Again, Elliot joins us here in a couple of moments here and we'll talk more uh, about the Sutter dismissal. So now uh, the Calgary Flames have both a general manager and a head coaching position to fill will be an interesting off season for the Calgary Flames as it will also be an interesting season as we saw over the weekend uh, comments from Winnipeg Jazz players and general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff it will be a fascinating offseason for the Winnipeg Jets and an interesting one for the Calgary Flames um, as well. Okay, um, that's the main story breaking right now. Uh, a couple of other stories. We have another Game 7 tonight. The Game 7s this weekend were fantastic, by the way. You want to talk about edge of your seed, overtimes, no tomorrow, all of it. Um, just fantastic. Last night, you know, Matthew Kajak saying it's, you know, the the, the biggest upset of, of all time. I know some of our more old school listeners, and when I heard him say that to Carolyn Cameron yesterday, I kind of said, uh, hello, Miracle on Manchester. Anybody remember L.A. and Edmonton? Um, but I don't think there's ever been a day. Like, no, there hasn't been a day in NHL history where both the defending Stanley Cup champion and the President's Trophy winners lose in the opening round. That is, unless the President's Trophy winners are also the defending Stanley Cup champions. But I think you know what I'm getting at. So, a couple of things. As far as goaltenders in the first round, safe to say that the two best statistically, when you look at things like expected saves, um, Jake Ottinger of the Dallas Stars and Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers. The fact, you know, the, the Igor Shosturkin, we probably haven't talked enough about. He's been tremendous for the New York Rangers. Jake Ottinger, we've talked a ton about, and for good reason. Um, he is, along with Miro Haskinen, the number one reasons why 
the Dallas Stars have advanced the second round. Now they'll face off against the Seattle Kraken. But Philip Grubauer, when we look at how the Seattle Kraken did this and how they calmed down the offense of the Colorado Avalanche, you know, one of the most wildly successful offensive teams in the NHL with hot sticks and goal scorers like Granton and, and McKinnon, to say nothing of Kale McCarr, etc. I know there are holes in the lineup, and we're going to get there in a couple of moments. A tremendous performance by Philip Gustafson, who has somewhere in the neighborhood. Let me grab this quickly here for you. A save percentage of 926 uh, in seven games. Grubauer was awesome. Now, Matthew Kachuk. So I was having a conversation with a manager on the weekend who uh, we were talking we were talking about Matthew Kachuk and I was making the point that you know if you redid the draft um, that would be the 2016 draft the one in Buffalo where Austin Matthews went first overall then Patrick Laine and then Pierre Luc Dubois if you redid that draft and general managers love it when guys like me say hey let's redo the draft um, but if you redid the draft Matthew Kachuk would be drafted second and the manager I was talking to paused and said would he go second. I said, you're not thinking first. And he said, if you had to choose one player to win one game seven out of anybody, I asked Elliot this last night on the podcast. It just came out. He chose Connor McDavid. That's a good choice. He said, if you had from that 2016 draft, one game, one player from that draft, who do you want? You can make a real strong case for Matthew Kachuk. And as we talked about last week, it was probably only a matter of time before this Boston-Florida series became Matthew Kachuk versus the Boston Bruins. A lot to fall out of this series after the Boston Bruins have now fallen and the questions begin about this team and the questions continue about Patrice Bergeron. We have a lot to get to. We had a lot of teams we said goodbye to. Autopsies on as many as we can. And the news of the day, Daryl Sutter, no longer head coach of the Calgary Flames. It's a chewy, beefy, big news day here on the Merrick Show. Elliot on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, again, the headline of the day, uh, outside of, you know, the defending Stanley Cup champions, out. President's Trophy winners, one of the best regular seasons of all time, the Boston Bruins, out. Questions around Patrice Bergeron, is he done in the NHL? Have we seen the last skate around the ice uh, for the future Hall of Famer and the man that, you know, the Selkie Trophy should probably be named after? Uh, but the big story of the day, breaking moments ago, Elliot had it on his Twitter, Daryl Sutter, uh, with two years left on his contract, dismissed as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. They now look for a new bench boss and a new general manager. Um, Elliot, we, we mentioned on the podcast, well, you mentioned on the podcast before we signed off at stupid o'clock in the morning, um, to, that there will be some there will be some clarity coming up this week about the Calgary Flames coaching situation, and it came Monday morning, and that is Daryl Sutter, now ex of the Calgary Flames. Your wide brush thoughts on this one? Um, I, like, I, if you would have asked me immediately after the season, would Sutter be out? I, I would have said no. Um, there were, I mean, obviously during the season, the season was a really rocky, difficult season. I mean, you don't need me to relive that. Everybody knows what happened in Calgary this year. And, um, you know, the, the exit meetings, the exit meeting process in Calgary, from what I understand, was a pretty fascinating one. They told the players that these were not going to be short meetings. 
You know, in a lot of cases, they're 10 to 15 minute meetings. These ones were longer. I think in some cases they lasted up to an hour. And also, and also uh, you know, Tree Living, who at the time still hadn't um, announced that he wasn't going to be accepting an extension, um, he was in them. And Don Maloney, who at the time was not yet president of hockey operations, he was in them too. So both of them uh, took uh, copious notes, I guess. And, um, you know, they really they wanted to know everything. They told the players that after a year like this, nothing should be unknown. They should know everything that was going on. And, you know, I mean, a lot of you saw those media conferences. You know, some players like Toffoli were excited about coming back and other players like Backlund and Lindholm, you know, they didn't put it this way. They weren't playing poker. They weren't bluffing. They were telling you exactly what they were yeah. thinking, some, some uh, part of it by what they were not saying. <laughs> and, you know, I think that all of that information was presented to um, ownership. And I think the recommendation was that to ownership that they had to make a change. And I don't think it was, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. I don't think it was easy no because as everyone knows, Sutter has a two year extension at a little over 4 million per. And I don't think that any owner wants to pay someone to not do anything. And I, I just think we got to a situation where, <clears throat> sorry, they just realized it was untenable and it was going to affect the roster and they decided to make the choice. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, uh, I think that this was known internally yesterday. At least that's kind of what I'm hearing. Um, you know, like someone said to me, they they wouldn't be surprised if Sutter looked at the situations too and said, not only if the players don't think it's going to work, then I don't think it's going to work either. And I don't think that means he was mm -hmm. going to resign or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of under the impression that everybody came to the realization that this was going to have to happen. Um, do you think that there's any chance that if this happened before Tree Living decided not to accept an extension, that he would have accepted an extension? Like, we looked at this and said, okay, these Good two question. weren't going to coexist. I guess they're going with Sutter. Really hard question that Elliot didn't want to uh, didn't want to answer clearly, um, but the news of the day. And we'll get Elliot back here. Uh, the news of the day is uh, Daryl Sutter is no longer the head coach of the uh, Calgary Flames. Um, that search now begins. Um, by the way, quick note: Joel Erickson Eck. So now we're getting like this is the part of the the um, uh, th this is the part of the playoffs where everyone who lost in the first round are you know coming clean about the injuries. Joel Erickson Eck moments ago confirming he had a broken leg. He's already uh, had the surgery. Man, did he try to tough that one out? Okay, we've got uh, Elliot back. Elliot, I was just um, before you before we lost you on the. No, I heard your question. Um, I just heard your one, question. Yeah, what do you think? Do, do you think he would have uh, Tree Living would have accepted or like is this is this just bad timing or is Tree Living out either way? You know, I think it's a great question, and someday I would love to hear his answer to that question. <laughs> My theory is that it increases the chances that he stays. And, I, you know, I want to I say something clear here. Like, I, I don't think they had, a, uh, like, a difficult personal relationship, Tree Living and Sutter, at all. 
I just think that their professional working relationship, it just couldn't continue. I think the only reason I'm not giving you a 100% unconditional yes, uh, Jeff, is that I think there's a possibility that Tree Living was in the mindset that it had been nine years and it was just time for a change. So that's, I, I definitely think that was part of his process too. So I think it's, it's possible that while, yes, I, I think things might have been different, he also might have been of the mindset it was time to try something new. Mm-hmm. You know, always curious about you know where teams go uh, after they after they fire someone, and um, usually, as we've seen in the NHL, coaching hirings are pendulums, and yep. you have someone who's um, you know. And listen, uh, Daryl made 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 no secret of the fact that he's a coach that deferred to veterans, and kids came along slowly. Um, yep. Should we look into? Should we now look into this idea that maybe? as the Calgary Flames try to break in more of the Dustin Wolfs and the Jacob Pelches into the lineup, they look for someone that can relate more to younger players. Or am I just saying that because the knee jerk is, oh, they've gone on from Daryl Sutter. Um, let's bring in someone that relates to kids or let's make bring in someone that makes it fun to come to the rink uh, right this way, Bruce Boudreaux. Well, you know what? I think you're asking like a, a lot of good questions here, which is unusual. Good for you. Uh, but <laughs> getting it out of the uh, way early this week. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a great question. Like, like to me, the, the thing is like, not only is it the young players, but I think you've got to interview people about Huberto. Like, like to me, even more than incorporating the young players, because the flames have some good ones. Their AHL team had an excellent year and still in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> to me, it's all about two. You know, what are your ideas for Jonathan Huberto? How do we get him back to closer to being a 100-point player as opposed to a 50-point player? I think both of those things yeah. are, are very, very important. Like, you know, Calgary has a couple of, of, of guys in their organization that they, they really think highly of. Ryan Huska, their assistant coach, he's someone I know they yes. really think highly of. I think the, the big challenge is, there's always a question, and you and I have debated this, how easy or hard is it to go from assistant coach to head coach on the same team? Like, there are people who believe that uh, it's very difficult to work to do because you go from the good cop to the bad cop and your players don't always buy it. So that's one challenge. Yeah. But I know they think very highly of Huska. And the other guy is their guy at the AHL, Mitch Love. Like, he's, he's a guy that... Yeah. When I, when I ask around and I say, who are some of the young names that I should be just be keeping an eye on, he's one of the, the names you hear. And as you said, you're, you're going to want Pelche to have a bigger role. Wolf is going to be on this team next year. You've got to think they're going to try to find a way. Zari is not far away. Um, and there's other guys down there. And it, the success he had with their, down there with them absolutely puts you on the radar. So I think those are good names to include, and I think they'll be part of the search. But I think, I think you're looking for two things. Yes, someone who can relate to young players, but also someone who has ideas on how to unlock Huberto. Okay, I got a name for you. As okay. I'm hearing you talk about this, I have a name for you. Are you going with Bruce Boudreaux? Andrew Brunette. No, yeah, Andrew I Brunette. Think- I think Andrew Burnett is, is, is another really good example. I, I, I completely agree with that. I think, I think those are the kinds of the names that you are going to hear for sure. 
Burnett, of course, um, coaching the Florida Panthers last year. And if anyone knows how to unlock Huberto, um, it would be him who uh, who helped lead him to uh, one of his you know best, maybe all. It was his best season ever um, last year. Okay, so that's the the news of the day off the ice. Um, the news of the day on the ice is Sunday was insane. Sunday was you know we were talking about this on the podcast and. Uh, I was woke up this morning and was thinking about, you know, the miracle on Manchester, for example, back in 82 with the Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, Matthew Kachuk on the ice with Carolyn yesterday talked about, you know, the biggest upset and then the history of hockey for, for all those guys in that room. And, you know, I, I can't help but thinking that, you know, the Boston Bruins allowed this thing to become Matthew Kachuk versus the Bees. Um, now that we've had a night to sleep on it, uh, a night to, to think about it, and I want to throw Seattle and Colorado in there as well. The defending Stanley Cup champions are gone. Um, 12, 18 hours later, Elliot, what goes through your mind about what we saw last night, which was really one of the most incredible nights in the history of the game? Yeah, well, I, I think it's it, it's a reminder. Like, these are still upsets, but I just, like, I think they're upsets because of, hey, like the 40-plus point difference between Florida and Boston and the Boston season. But it goes back to what, I, what I've been feeling for a few years now is, are there really upsets anymore in the playoffs? You know, the margins are so thin. Um, you know, things can happen. Um, like, it, I, it qualifies as an upset, but I, I just don't know if we should be surprised anymore in the NHL. I mean, the, like, the recipe for the playoff winning is great goaltending, your elite players make a difference and you get some depth. Okay. You know, Seattle got, they don't have the elite, like Colorado's elite players. You cannot blame them at all, but they didn't have the same depth and Seattle out goaltended them in Boston, Florida. Um, Florida's elite players came to play, especially Kachuk Montour had a great series. They got depth. And at the end of the series, their goaltending far exceeded what the Bruins could put out there. And, you know, I I think the amazing thing to me, uh, Jeff, is that, and I'm still, I I still can't believe it. The the longer that series went, you thought that Boston would be the most poised team just because of their experience. The longer that series went, Florida was the more calm team. Like in that overtime last night, like the Bruins, like I, I'm still, I, I rewatched it this morning. I'm still in shock at, at how they look. They, they, you know, like to me, like some people said, well, they faced no adversity all year. And that's true. I think that's legit. But still, like for all the experience they have, that seems so wild to me. Um, yeah. You know, the what I really think, Jeff, is that. I wonder if those Bruins players, knowing that it was the last dance, that's what got to them. Like, they're like, holy smokes, if we don't win this, it's over. Like, I think the like the look on Bergeron's face, the shock, like, I, I just think those guys, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, I could be totally wrong. It's just me spitballing and, and talking out of my brain. But I just wondered if the whole... We've got to, we have to win this one for this group for Bergeron and, and then one last time. I wonder if that got to them too. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's a number of things. I think the goaltending played into it. I think the uh, the uh, the collapse of, I think the inevitable Vesna um, Vesna goaltender Lena Solmark, I think played something into it. I think Matthew Kachuk was well inside of everybody's head, yeah, including he great. maybe most importantly Jeremy Swayman. Um, you know, I think you know, I, I, right inside Swayman's head from pretty much the get go. Um, I, I think that there were a lot of things, and and, and Florida played loose. And you saw that in the overtime. I mean, Verhage had a great chance. Matthew Kachuk had the breakaway where he tried to go five-hole. I think everybody thought, wow, this is how it's going to end with a Matthew Kachuk breakaway. We're going to have a scene for the ages. Now, instead, he just provided you know, a perfect screen for Carter Verhage, and, and that was the overtime winner. Um, but I think we'll be talking about that series for a long time. Um, but up next for the Florida Panthers are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And let me get on the Maple Leafs page here. So... Elliot, tomorrow on the radio show, I'm going to do something. Um, and I'm, I've been planning to do this for a while, and I'm going to do it okay. at the end of every round. And it's called the Escrow Cup. And I'm going to judge every series by which which winner helps the players pay down their escrow the quickest. So if I'm a player tonight, I'm cheering for the New York Rangers. Apologies, New Jersey Devils fans. This is all just about the escrow because you want the big name teams and the high revenue producers to go as far as possible. If you're following hockey, if you're a player right now, you're out of you know, you play for Detroit or you play for the Washington Capitals, you play for the Nashville Predators. Right now you're cheering for the big market teams that make the big dollars. Saturday was a good day for the escrow cup with the Maple Leafs beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, your thoughts on what this means for that team? I think we wonder how they play now. And what this means for Kyle Dubas, and maybe by extension, because if it's really good for Dubas, what does this mean for Brendan Shanahan? Well, oh, there's a lot there. First of all, you yeah. must be disappointed that Boston won a loss last night, because that that yeah, hurts your the escrow, escrow cup. Uh, the es- yes, for the escrow but, cup, look, like, Boston bad. Actually, bad, I, bad, I was bad. Ta- I was talking about this with someone this morning. Toronto through Edmonton through Seattle through. And Vegas through is is very good for what you're talking about. It's uh, it's yep. it's very good for what you're talking about. And yes, if you cheer, if you did it, if you rooted under those circumstances, you would be rooting for the Rangers tonight. <laughs> and you know, I actually said yes. to this person, you know, what are you thinking with those teams through and the Rangers possible? You know, do you think do you, do you think we're getting in a better situation here? And he said. He's still under the impression they won't make it this year, but none of this hurts is, 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 is what his answer was. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, as for Dubis and, and the Leafs and everything, look, um, I think the biggest question is, I said on the pod this morning, I, I think the biggest question is when they decide to do this negotiation. It's like his, the NHL, the contracts are up June 30th. So assuming that Dubas has not been signed to a secret extension, his contract is up June 30th. And, um, you know, do you wait until their season's over or do you start the negotiation now? I think that's a very fascinating part of this. I've said before, I think that there were owners of the Maple Leafs, the three-part group, at least one of the groups was wanted to extend Dubas and was blocked by the other two. And so that's why we are where we are. And, 
Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a situation where um, obviously he's got more leverage now. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I've also written before, Jeff, that I think there's a lot of belief that they will sort this out, that it makes no sense for there not to be an extension. But I think it's going to come down to two things that a lot of uh, negotiations come down to. Number one, what's the contract look like in terms of uh, term and, and money? And number two, the ultimate control over hockey decisions. And I think those will be two of the things that are part of this conversation and we'll see where we go. You know, I, I wondered too, I was talking to someone yesterday who said, look, if I'm, if I'm Kyle Dubas in this situation um, at the end of the season, if that's when the Maple Leafs end up, you know, uh, doing this, I, I try to get my Pittsburgh Penguins offer uh, and I just ask for the world from both and play each side off each other. You know, well, the, thing, the, the, difficult, GM, the difficulty with that jet, is all of it. The, the difficulty with that, Jeff, is is that it, it, it's like Mike Keaton in 1994, right? Are you negotiating with someone going. else while you're in the playoffs? Yeah. Or Pat Quinn in what was that, 1987? With uh, uh, was that uh, was that no, that was with L.A. with Los Angeles LA and, and Vancouver. L.A. and Vancouver. Correct. And he got suspended for a year. So, you know, I mean, like, like, you're not wrong. You should use leverage whenever you have it. Um, But, you know, like, (laughs) there's certainly people who have very strong opinions of you using that (laughs) leverage while you're in a playoff series with your current team. Yes. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that the timing of this one is going to be interesting. And then as you know, someone said to me this morning, well, what happens now? I mean, everyone's euphoric in Toronto about the Maple Leafs uh, making it through the second round. And, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the weight of history is off their back. We'll see. But what if Florida wins four straight convincingly? What does that do all of a sudden to, uh, to, to Kyle Dubas and the, and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Personally, I don't think anything. I think the goal was get, at least get through that first round. Uh, and then you start talking negotiation, but certainly curious times um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, what do you look for tonight? Let, let's spend the last couple of minutes here talking about the Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, as much as we talked about Philip Grubauer for the Seattle Kraken, and for good reason, fantastic for them, uh, as much as we've talked about Jake Ottinger and the Dallas Stars and what he's been able to do in the series against Minnesota, man, Igor Shosturkin, when you look at, you know, um, expected saves and everything and the save percentages, Igor Shosturkin, and to say nothing of him making big saves and then skating to the Rangers bench to yell at his team to wake up, um, I don't know how much more this guy can do to try to salvage an opening round victory for the New York Rangers game seven tonight for each. Well, first of all, I, I, I really uh, agree with the decision to start Schneid. Uh, I understand that That's Lindy right. Ruff has access to information, more access to information than I do. Um, so you never know if there's anything going on behind the scenes that says we got to make a different choice. But all things being equal, Schmid was my guy. I think he's won you three games. Um, yes, I know he looked a little rough the other day, but do you think you can? If you think he can bounce back from that, to me, he's the guy. The, the like Roth didn't say much about his lineup today. The one thing that was really interesting to me is that you know they said Miles Wood didn't stay on with the scratches, 
That's an interesting one yeah. because I think he's a player that can really help the Devils, but he took undisciplined penalties. And the, the absolute thing that the Devils cannot do is give the Rangers power plays. I mean, you're going to give them some. That's oh. just the way the game goes. But, you know, like you can't risk. The more you risk, the more the scales tip towards New York, right? So, like, those are the kinds of the things I look at. Schmid, because you're right. Like, you know what Sturkin is. You know you're going to get a great game from him. My, so, do you make the right choice in goal? I think the Devils do. And watching that Wood thing today, like, if he's in there, mm-hmm. he's got to be smart. We shall see. This one will be, uh, listen, we just hope they're as good as the last two Game 7s uh, that we yep. just saw. Um, Elliot, before I let you go, anything that you're following this week? I mean, the Calgary story was one that uh, that you had on the radar for the weekend. I know that, you know, seeing Kevin Cheveldayoff's uh, press conference and the, and the whole weekend that was in Winnipeg, I don't think that story's anywhere close to being over. Joel Erickson just talked about having a, a broken leg. We're going to find out now more about injuries and we'll speculate on plans for uh, various teams that have been eliminated by the in, in the playoffs. What do you have your eyes on this week? You know, before well, I, you know, I think the, what was your grandmother's great line, you plan God laughs, but before everything yeah. changes, what do you think the week looks like? You know, I, I think one of the things that uh, I kind of heard, like Bruce Garriott had a big story in the Ottawa Sun on the weekend about uh, Reynolds preparing a billion-dollar offer. I would suspect that there's going to be more clarity on that this week. Um, you know, I just saw Ian Mendez had a report that uh, that Snoop Dogg was joining Nico Spark Group, which is yes. a fantastic story. I, I, I really <laughs> think like this kind of stuff is really good for the NHL. But I think that I think that yeah. everybody like right now Reynolds and Remington they're the lead horse, and um, you know I I, I think it's gonna. I think it's going to be really hard to challenge them. And um, I, I wouldn't be like, like the one thing and Bruce's story kind of alluded to it. And I've heard a similar thing is that I think that people want to just go like they want it. They want this process to go on to like, let's get offer, Let's get the offer in and let's find out if what are the ones. And uh, I think you're going to see pushes towards that. That's all. You know, one of the things I was, I was going to ask you this on the weekend, and I forgot. Let me let me ask it now about the uh, the Ottawa situation. Um, do we know? And maybe the answer is there are none, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Do we know who's working with any of these groups in the capacity as hockey advisors? For like, we hear a lot uh, I, about Remington, obviously. Like, do do we have any idea who's working sort of in concert from the quote unquote hockey established hockey world? No, you know what? I've asked about that, and I haven't. Not as of yet. Not as of yet. Um, I, I've asked. Like the one thing I think a lot of people recognize is that I, I think there's a real desire to have Daniel Alfredson brought back into it. But I don't. But I specifically asked, does that mean Alfredson is like Remington's guy? And, and someone said to me, you're 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 way ahead of where things kind of are right now. So uh, I just I don't know that there's that person yet. Okay, uh, we will stand by. Uh, okay, action-packed day. 
Um, and I think it's going to be an action-packed week and will be an action-packed night. Tonight, Game 7, 8 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet. It's the New Jersey Devils facing off against the New York Rangers. Thank you, Frege. I don't think your day is going to be quiet, but nonetheless, try to enjoy it. Thanks, Merrick. I appreciate that. <laughs> Elliot Friedman, 32 thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada.